Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Only things. 
wanted a mother. I killed the man who I murdered him. Who and what was I? The question loomed monolithic. Only she knew the answer. Down beneath a sea of blood, where countless corpses tumbled to the weak toe of dead waters, within her ruined mansion of cracked stone, she busied herself with the cold business of murder. The Red Mother, the one who whisked me away from a life less lived and placed me into the coarse killing hands of madmen, or had she placed them into my hands? After all, they now did my bidding, even the great big dead dog, killing and thrilling for me at a moment's notice. Yet they were family as well, a motley of evildoers who subbed for my murdered family, murdered by the man who fathered the family man, and after a fashion, myself. I had no idea what I was becoming or where I would end up, but I had a feeling I was getting there fast. Leaving New Victoria via the secret route shown to us by the esteemed Dream Sage, we'd settled into the lush outskirts of Greenhut, a small pastoral town not far from the city that never wakes. And for all the sleeping we'd done over the last several days, we were exhausted. The sky blushed with twilight, shadows stretching out, glorifying an otherwise inglorious world. A whispered daydream, the wind blew soft and gentle. The nearby forest swayed in the breeze. There isn't a lot of difference between the sounds of sea and forest when the wind blows, and I was trying to confuse the two in my head, imagining myself upon the shores of a secret lake. Dylan Wicked sat across from me in the ruined barn we found along our trek, his eyes almost the silvered spheres of an animal caught in the headlights. He'd been uncharacteristically quiet as we'd gone along, his ever-present smile a whisper of forgotten mirth. His manner had changed too, from a feral wolf to a ferocious guard dog, the difference between freedom and loyalty. Baron was merely a tumble-down shadow in the far corner, 
A lethal mass of man and monster, who was always three steps ahead of you at any given time. His head was turned away from me, no doubt dwelling on the future, the killing that awaited him there, and the path he might take to assure it. As for our undead dog, Rover was outside somewhere, probably nestled deep into the wormy earth, the best place for dead things. Wicked sighed, turning to me with an echo of his former smile. Fallen out of dream, nightmare, they wandered a doubtful path to wisdom, where the sun shined shadows across the world, and they frolicked in the darksome downpour. Where to next, Vive? According to his father, Donald had an affinity for these woods. His mother would bring him here to a small cottage, something she'd inherited from her side of the family. They came here alone, letting the great artist work in peace. Just Donald's father? Yes, just Donald's. Wicked heard me call the Red Ouroboros father. He wanted to know how much of our dreams in Nuvik had carried over into waking. Outside of sleep, the idea of Donald's father being my own was harder to reconcile with reason. Or at least it was harder to say out loud. The idea was one of creation versus existing. My being alive was a matter of biological processes, but the Ouroboros made me who, if not what, I am. He talked about Donald like he was some kind of animal, running down wonder like you and your wolves ran down deer. We only ran down deer occasionally. Our quarry was generally far less crafty and fleet of foot than deer, and oh, so much more satisfying for the fact. But even the cleverest deer is no good practice for bringing dear Donald to the ground. He is an artist who works in the medium of sublime murder. We might do better to approach him like a canvas of flesh, wistfully, but with vision. Art is a distraction, nothing more. Taken to the level that he takes it, makes him weak, vulnerable. He seeks to reach equilibrium with a world that isn't this one. Romanticizing the fact just makes us weak as well. Oh, Baron, always the pragmatist, the materialist. You fail to see the wonderful unpredictability of things, casting it aside for your vaunted precision and guile, which should make you boring as porridge. But your wants are just as elusive as mine, my huge friend. Neither your savage heaven nor my faceless clocks, nor even Donald's dreams, for that matter, are indigenous to the world. All of us are trying to make it into something it isn't. A better place. Perhaps someday, one of us will succeed. As the boys carried on with their typical dueling philosophies, I was beginning to form my own conclusions about the world, myself, Donald. The world wasn't chaos or order or even a dream. It simply was. The world was just a place for things to happen. Any things. We generated our own purpose, and its infinite and futile pursuit was merely what passed for meaning. My meaning was finding the family man, my brother, perhaps even my son or hers. Something elemental was going to happen when we finally met. Change. The only thing that really mattered at all. 
but it wasn't like I hadn't already seen more than my fair share of change already. A journalist who had become a killer. A killer who had become a... <laughs> well, I was still trying to work that one out. One thing was for sure, though. This was a different world for me. One with bones of Quicksilver. Nothing was stable, and no time or place a fixed point. This was especially true concerning family. It wasn't just a straight line of lineage, a two-dimensional roadmap for identity. It was a constellation of mind and spirit and dream. And sure, it was still all about blood, but not the type that circulates through the body. It was about the kind that splashes to the ground, stains the world black, curdles and crusts in the sun. That blood was a phantom thread, light and gossamer, weaving our family together. With the night having fallen, we rose from our catnaps and renewed the hunt for the family man. Baron vanished right away, walking against the wind and all that, while Wicked and I walked the wandering paths that entered the woods. I suppose we were guided by a sense of entitlement. After all we'd gone through to get where we were, it felt right that the only natural outcome, the summation, would be inevitable discovery. I imagined the woods through a young Donald's eyes, an instinctive artist, but one loathe to conjure the world within his work, only content to gaze beyond it. The forest must have seemed like a barrier, a wall between him and the wonder it concealed. Perhaps the place was only a source of frustration, an early intimation with limitation and dissatisfaction. Would he return here, revisit whatever he might have valued? Does an artist like that even have any influences on this side of sleep? The woods were vast, proving far too large to cover in a single night's search. Once we were in the thick of the place, I began to see why it might have left an impression on Donald. Something beyond the general vibe of a forest lurked there. Its frail beauty like some shabby mask that did a poor job of concealing its wearer. Fall had yet to take hold in earnest, the recent corpse of summer spoiling in slow, vibrant turns. So it might have been the sloughing of its summer skin that betrayed its secret strangeness. An unnatural perversion hinting to layers of existence beyond sunsets and fall foliage. Naturally, Wicked felt it too. I wonder if this place was haunted before, or quite possibly because of Donald's visits. Either way, there's little doubt the shadows run deeper than the roots around here. Though, that's hardly surprising. Cults and cabals aplenty called these parts home, don't you know? The soot of many a witch darkened these shadows, fertilizing phantoms, fostering fear. Though, I do have to wonder what Donnie's mommy dearest got up to in a place like this. Curiouser and curiouser. So, the forest was host to murders, executions, witch-burning. The moment Wicked said as much, the shapeless feeling of the place came into focus. She sensed it too, 
owning it somehow, as if the old death had always been a part of her, and now part of me. She was rapidly becoming all that I was, but I remained only a fraction of her. After four arduous nights without a hint of Donald's whereabouts, our sense of entitlement had taken a hit. But Rover broke our losing streak, turning up a scent he was able to follow back to its source. Set way back into the densest thickets, we discovered a sort of compound, something made to look prehistoric, threatening even. Walled off by towering pikes carved from thick tree branches, only a tall wooden gate covered in a collection of leering animal skulls offered an obvious way inside. Wicked was preparing to scale the wall when the gate opened, revealing Baron standing on the opposite side. There's no need for stealth, Dylan. They're all dead. And then some. The big man looked different to me, sporting a kind of wariness he was generally too stone-faced to express. Whatever was inside had Baron looking over his shoulder, and I knew instantly. Donald had been there. The compound was big, something like ten separate wooden structures all told. Each of them sported primitive-looking thatched rooftops crowned with deer and moose antlers. Thousands of animal pelts, ranging from beaver to bear, lined the inside of the pike wall. At the very center of the place stood a roughly humanoid construction, some 20 feet tall, comprised of sticks and animal bones and stitched hides. A massive set of bullhorns stretching skyward from the thing's makeshift and lopsided head. Lacking any real definition, the face of the thing was little more than a collection of small sticks and several dog skulls. While the exact nature of the figure was unknown, it was more than likely some kind of deity. A god of hunting, maybe. Whatever else the place might have been, it seemed an attempt at a prehistoric hunting camp, its occupants pretending at being primal huntsmen. All around the compound were signs of a battle. Archaic weaponry, bloodied and smashed, lay everywhere. <laughs> I didn't bother to question the outcome of the fight, only the manner in which he'd slain them. My oh my. Looks like he took on the entire clan. And won. Dylan's eyes went to Baron, likely to see if the killer artist's feet had any impact upon him. The giant seemed to look inward, a grim calculus working behind his cold eyes, analyzing the scene as only a creature like Baron could. Dispatching some band of misanthropes posing as cavemen is hardly a feat worth all the wide eyes. He likely took them at night, while they were inebriated around a fire. Your family man is a practiced killer, and they know more than deluded, untested men. His unshrinking presence and initial, lethal blows sent them into a panic, lashing out with primitive weapons they scarcely knew how to wield. The blood spatter is everywhere, indicating they broke ranks and scattered. He merely stalked them down, one by one, and in the flickering light, dispatched them. Reductionist to the last, eh, Baron? Why, this was a fantastic fight. 
the likes of which have been preserved upon cave walls since time immemorial. Dear Donald would never have waited for an advantage in slaying drunken men. Oh, no, 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 no. There's no dream in that, no intimation of awe. He once told me that tactics were a measurement of one's own weakness, and that apart from the direst of circumstances, he eschewed them. No, he came amongst them from the darkness, the silence, a gliding nightmare. His guile was used merely to introduce himself, nothing more. He did not strike first, but only let them come to him, their dreams facing off against his own. When the fight was fully joined, he swept them aside with blade and brawn, thrilling at the shadows pent against the pelts by the blades of the fire, beneath the disapproving gaze of their god, his blows so massive as to scatter the men to the four corners of the compound, where they crawled upon opened bellies to die in shame and shadow. In the wake of his victory, he looked to their disappointed deity, inviting, challenging, the thing to avenge its fallen supplicants. When the god refused his offer, Donald smiled, proud of his good work. Seated bloody upon the ground, he looked over the scene for hours, conjuring strange visions until at last the bonfire died into the hush and hiss of smoldering ash. You sound like you're auditioning to be his minstrel, Dylan. Perhaps, should he deem your carcass worthy, He'll carve your bones into an ivory flute and play you after his every murder. A wicked little tune to commemorate his killings. Why, I'd love to be a flute. Provided, of course, I was played without benefit of sheet music or preparation or skill. Just the sound of naked chance thinking on its bare feet. All right, enough of the chit-chat, fellas. So I see a lot of blood, but where's the bodies? Underground. There are tunnels connecting all the buildings from below, and one that leads outside. He turned them into one of his ridiculous art galleries, it seems. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> Only something so deluded as this creature would consider playing with the dead a form of art. Because you refuse dreams their rightful sway, Baron. When spied through the other side of the eye, I'm quite certain you'd grasp the glamour of it all. The crackle of stiffening flesh becoming the pliable wings of a fever dream trying and failing to lift itself from the cloying earth. There's beauty in his efforts, if not their results. Granted, that doesn't lessen my want to cut the eyes from him, just that I too have the capacity for vision, though my own artistic talents lie in more whimsical works where chaos and chance conspire to unsculpt the sculpted, turning the best-laid plans into the best-laid corpses. A sense of pushing through the thinnest membrane washed over us once we descended into the tunnels, where the world of waking and the land for dreams threatened to uncouple where Donald's work still exerted its might over matter. A thin wire ran the length of the tunnel's ceiling, tiny fluorescent bulbs dotting its length. After flipping a switch sunken into the wall, a hidden battery powered up the lights, casting the underground in tones of muted orange and yellow. Twisted conjuries of partially buried man and bone and beast appeared, 
the dim light blunting their edges, blending them into the weakened darkness. They were mostly submerged into the dirt floor, as if Donald were trying to make them into two-dimensional images. Standing beside them were other sculptures, nearly identical to their buried counterparts, only they were fully revealed and burned jet black, their visibility in the dim light suffering for the fact. What the hell is this all about? It's rather simple, really. He rendered the shadows in three dimensions, and the bodies in two. He's suggesting that his subject's physical existence is the product of their non-physical origins. The amalgamation of man and beast highlight man's savage nature, an uncertainty as to where one ends and the other begins. Whether the bodies being secured to the earth and the shadows standing mostly within the air suggests additional notions of solidity versus liquidity is a matter for debate. I'd wager it was just the result of the materials at hand. <laughs> All this to articulate a child's understanding of the soul. You're forgetting context, Baron. We're underground in a cursed forest, and these were hunters. This is the underworld, you see, where the soul outweighs the flesh, flesh that now incorporates the beasts the damned men once hunted. Now in hell, or some approximation thereof, the hunters are becoming what they wrought in life, the manifest and completed cycle of hunter and hunted, not to mention how he incorporated, mocked their deity, failed and alone amid its emptied temples, looking out across the naked and broken arms of its fallen army. This was as close as I'd ever come to Donald, his vision impressed into still spoiling flesh, his war against waking still warm. Yet, I couldn't feel my excitement mirrored by the one who brought me here. There was something else in its stead, a quiet resignment. It was as though she were contemplating some wider mystery, wherein Donald made up only a sliver of its mass. Do you two feel that? Like... like the world is falling asleep? Dylan's eyes went vacant and wide, his ubiquitous smile slipping from his lips where they parted his jaw going slack. I could feel it, the rising waves of an invisible flood surging across the world. I looked to Baron where he knelt in horrified contemplation, his silence involuntary. Darting from the tunnel to look up at a sky that was surely falling, I glimpsed giant paper stars, the kind children cut out of paper, dangling just below the treetops. Their caricaturized celestial masses held aloft by strings that stretched into the blackest sky I'd ever known. Fire leapt from the glowing bodies where they brushed the treetops. Even a gigantic paper moon hung amidst the cradle of the forest canopy, its pale light cold where it touched my face. And then she spoke. Do not, Do not worry, worry, my dear. All will be well when you awaken, but for now, sleep, sleep the sleep of gods, and hold your dreams up to the darkness, and it will make them so. From waking, I was transported via sleep to a particular day. The day was September 9th, 1999, the end of one world and the beginning of another.
Red Mother is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Stephen Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld and sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Be sure to check us out at www.maltopia.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. If you want unique art and animations of Maltopia's stories, visit our YouTube page or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a fan and want to help the show grow, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And for more exclusive content such as additional lore, stories, and art, be sure to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.